Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the audio outreach ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. All right, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14 says this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful uh, for your word uh, this week. God, how it challenged me. Uh, God, and, and I'm uh, grateful knowing that it will challenge every man in this church today, every man that, that hears this message through the live stream or the radio or TV. God, but not only that, that it also, uh, because of that impact, will impact the women and the children of this church, of our towns, our communities, our schools, and God, ultimately our world, uh, because you require men to act like men. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, remove me from this today and let your word speak clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's, it's football Sunday for those of you uh, who were confused and wore hockey jerseys. You just want to point that out, football Sunday. Uh, I love football Sunday. How many of you love football Sunday? It's very good. Uh, I love Football Sunday because it really combines two of my favorite things in this world, church and football, right? Okay, just me. That's cool. I can do that. But I, I, I love football. I, I grew up loving football, and uh, around my house, I have, I have raised my children. My wife knew when she married me that we take football seriously. All right, I better get some more amens when I get to the Bible stuff, too. But it's okay. I'll, I'll take any of them I can get. So in my house, this is how a typical football game will operate. We just uh, brought into commission this year a touchdown bell. All right, because the Browns are finally scoring touchdowns, so we thought that it would be of some use. So we have a touchdown bell that rings every time the Browns score a touchdown. And it's fun because I've got a son, Judah. You all know him. He's, he's seven years old now. He loves football, too. And what he's uh, been doing now for games is putting on his full uh, Cleveland Browns jersey. He's got the shoulder pads. He's got the helmet. He's got the whole giddy-up. So when the touchdown bell starts ringing, Judah jumps up from the couch. He goes to the other side of the room. He comes charging at me, and we collide over the ottoman in the living room, right? And then we do, we do man stuff there. Once we collide, we grunt, right? And we wrestle, and we high-five, and then we are seated for the rest of the game, right? Now, my wife don't get involved in this. My daughters don't get involved in this because this is a man thing, all right? It's a man thing. And, and honestly, uh, I, was, I was thinking this morning, going through my notes again, I, that didn't just like happen when I became a father. I was raised that way. And I want to share a story with you about my dad because he did it about me for so many years that I've got to get him back. How many of you remember the 2003 uh, National Championship of the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? Yeah, remember that? 
This is, all right. Uh, how many of you remember last time Michigan won the national championship? Me either. Right, I don't either. Uh, so I remember we had a bunch of you, some of you church people who were over. My dad had a football party going on upstairs, and I had a football party going on downstairs in the basement. And I remember as the clock wound down, just the eruption of celebration. And, and, and here's the thing. It was a masculine eruption, right? It wasn't this high-pitched stuff. It was growls of victory that come from the house and I was so excited to hear my friends erupting and then upstairs my dad's friends erupting so I remember sprinting up the stairs as fast as I could and when I got to the to the kitchen dining room area of my mom and dad's house I turned my head and here comes my dad all 200 pounds of him <laughs> maybe it might have been more I don't even know he come barreling through, you remember this, the living room at the time, and he just smoked me. I mean, smoked me. I was 150 pounds soaking wet back then, and he took me to the ground and did like, <laughs> did like this, like, <laughs> squeeze, squish of the defender. I don't even know, but all, that's right, that's right. It was a man thing. It was a man thing. I don't know. I just love football. I do. I love football. Um, I think t today, especially in today's society, uh, for me there is something refreshing about seeing 11 men collectively take the field as a team, right? With one name across their chest, all working toward the same goal to see every ounce of energy squeezed out, laying their physical well-being on the line in order to reach a common goal or to defend a common goal. Each and every one knows the playbook. Each and every one, their focus is to, to do what the playbook says that they should do. They spent the week, they've spent years of their life studying their craft in order to precisely execute their role on the team in order to have overall success. If one man fails, then the whole team fails. So it takes total buy-in. Men putting themselves at risk for the sake of the team. It takes focus. It takes discipline. And waiting for the signal caller's cadence in order to launch from their stances, in order to get the advantage found in every millisecond of the clock. It's sweat. It's spit. It's pain. And it's blood on every single play, right? Cooperative aggression, dangerous submission to a common goal. And at the end of the game, one thing is for certain, there's a winner and there's a loser, right? This world has a lot of problems that could be fixed by godly men rising up. We're all too often being led by boys that can shave, right? 
selfish, self-serving, soft gamers. (laughs) Boys that punt the ball instead of going for it on fourth down. So today, in this moment, I want to pause the game for a second. I want the players to stand idle for a second because the challenge flag is being thrown out and the tape is under review. So after further review, I've come to the conclusion we don't need less masculinity. We need real masculinity. We don't have a masculinity problem today. We have a lack of masculinity problem today. And so I want to answer the question today, what does the Bible say about this issue? Because here's the truth. We have to remember that the battle is always between what the world says and what the word says. So God's word calls in the play, and the play is this. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Oh, 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 right? The enemy isn't threatening to advance. The enemy has arrived, right? Be watchful. The Bible says, keep your eyes open as they begin charging in our direction. What happens when an army sleeps? As Christ's men, we are called to constantly have our heads on a swivel, scanning the horizon for temptation that may sneak in, for discipline that may be overlooked, for assignments that may be lacking. There's not room for error nor rest. Because even in this scripture, the enemy advances rapidly. We go from being watchful to immediately standing firm, right? Standing firm in the faith. Just that quick, we will have no time to rise from our recliners. It's in an instant we are commanded from watchful to a firm stance. We are under attack. The enemy coming in for a head-on collision. The Bible says, plant your feet strong. Remember your position and stay in your position. Stand firm in the faith. And, And here's the thing. In Scripture, Faith doesn't just mean a playbook of truths to know or a playbook of truths to believe, but it's the act of believing them. It's putting them into practice. The playbook translates onto the playing field. It's execution of the play. There's no armchair quarterbacks in this league. The command is to have confidence in the Lord and in his word that our feet will not move, that our line will not be pushed back. But maybe the most controversial of this today is 
the command to act like men, right? First of all, I want to point out to you that this scripture is telling us that there are actually men out there. Contrary to the popular lies of the world, men are different than women. And it's obvious. Okay, I, don't, I was going to put a diagram up, but I figured you all are smart. This used to be a clear call, right? To act like a man, you used to know what it meant to act like a man. These two words are, or these words are actually closely connected to the next two words that says, be strong. And so I dug into this a little bit. It means to be a man of battle. To strike blows to the enemy with all the muscle that you have. Be brave. Show yourself as a man. I like that. Show yourself as a man. There's no room for cowards or timid feminine weaklings who shudder at the sound of conflict, but we need bold men who are fixed, who are steadfast, strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We understand this strength better by looking at where else Paul has used this same word. It's in Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's a strength that runs deep. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, the strength of the heart. Clergyman uh, Josiah Strong wrote an observation in the year 1901. I want to read to you. He said, The whole generation is womanized. The masculine tone is passing out of the world. It's a feminine, a nervous, hysterical, chattering, canting age, an age of hollow phrases and fake delicacy and exaggerated solitudes and coddled sensibilities, which, if we don't look out, will usher in a reign of mediocrity of the feeblest and flattest and most pretentious that has ever been. Wow. If that offends you, you're part of the problem. Some 120 years later, and he stands absolutely correct. Weak religion breeds weak masculinity. Have we chosen the comfort of being nice over the discomfort of godliness? Things are offensive because we've gotten so far away from what biblical masculinity is. And so when we hear something that stirs up the emotion of the men we immediately search the Bible for something to balance it out, right? Balance out the toughness. 
or to eradicate it. In fact, I'm, I'm sure many of you already have done this in your mind by saying, but pastor, the next verse, the next verse, right? That all that you do be done in love. Masculinity just doesn't seem very loving, right? So when we read these two verses together, we have a tendency to take away or put away all the words of war or weapons. And brothers, that should not be. Okay? Let all you do be done in love does not soften the command that came prior. It doesn't cancel it out, nor does it cause it to go limp. In fact, it strengthens the command. There is no conflict between these two verses. We cannot separate them. Paul doesn't put off his commander's voice and put on his mom's voice. It's not what happens here. These two verses work together like sword and shield, both good and dangerous. A real man is loving and present. He's not domineering or abusive. That's not a strong man. That's a weak boy. A godly man is both good and dangerous. Godly love makes you dangerous, not soft. Holding hands with your wife, the strength that you have when you hug your children, that tenderness only goes as far as the fight in your fist and the sacrifice of that strength. Consider the 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Reading up to this point, we can have an image of a smooth-haired, well-manicured Jesus. Right? Soft, weak, quiet, and calm. He does lay his sheep in green pastures. He does lead them beside still waters, but he can do both because his rod and his staff comfort us. You see, sheep do not feel safe to lie down where their shepherd cannot defend them from the wolves. So the image that the 23rd Psalms gives us is one hand for the sheep and the other for the wolves, both dangerous and good. Biblical masculinity. Henry James says there is not enough effort of struggle in the typical church life of today to win young men to the church. A flowery bed of ease does not appeal to the fellow who has any manhood in him. The prevailing religion is too comfortable to attract young men who love the heroic. Hmm. Christianity is 
heroic. There's nothing more heroic. God coming to the earth in form of a man, standing toe to toe against ungodly governments and heretical religious hierarchies, laying down his life to rescue his bride. We must show all young men that Christianity is heroic. We must bring back grit and the grind of being a godly man. Remember it all started with a curse. When there was a man who didn't protect. When there was a man who was absent. But God made it right. With a man fully surrendered to a cause that would cost him his life. This God-man looked death right in the face and said, You don't stand a chance. And came with such strength that, that it didn't allow for his life to be taken, but the Bible says he laid it down because it couldn't be taken from him. But today we've made it something all too different. All right? You hear of this one-sided Jesus, the, the gentle lamb that is typically unoffensive. We say there's no place for the masculine side of God. And so think about it. Many services, many songs, many church programs resemble a Mother's Day service rather than a mighty army awaiting their conquering king will soon arrive on a white horse who will judge and who will make war, whose eyes are like flames of fire clothed in a robe dipped in blood. That's our king. Revelations 19, 11 through 16. says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. <laughs> and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of the Almighty. He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's masculinity. But instead we pitch Jesus as this nice Loving, frail, weak, soft, perfectly trimmed beard, helpless wimp. And in that lie, we have dried up the sweat of the Christian drive. In that, we've smoothed the calluses of kingdom work. We've bleached away the blood of martyrdom. The Jesus the world sells has not the power to raise from the dead. Jesus of the Bible, he was no sissy. 
And his men are not to be sissies either. They are good, but they are dangerous. So how does that come together, this this good and dangerous? Well, again, let's consult what Scripture says. We read of Christ being the Lion of Judah, who set children upon his lap because such is the kingdom of heaven. Good and dangerous, right? He is the wrathful lamb found in Revelation 6, uh, 15 and 16, who the kings of the earth and the great and the rich and powerful run and hide, calling to be crushed by the mountains and rocks rather than face he who is seated on the throne. He destroyed arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Isaiah 42.3, a bruised reed he will not break, and a fainty burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice, both good and dangerous. Before Pilate, Jesus gave no answer. He made no defense, not because he was a nice guy. He took the lashes of the cat of nine tails The crown of thorns pressed into his skull and nails pierced through his hands and feet, not because he was a nice guy, but because he loved his bride and his glory. He came to conquer. He is our example of masculinity. So the Christian man should always be found in the thickest part of the battle because that's where Christ is found. For the weak, for the vulnerable, for the oppressed, and for the poor, Christ's men are leading, taking ground, planting flags, conquering mountains, creating the safest places for the treasures that are our women and our children. For his glory, because we are good men, therefore we are dangerous men. Men who hold our lives cheap, who understand pain as a righteous push towards the goal. Lion-hearted masculinity has almost completely faded away in the church. Right? That wasn't what God intended when he made man and gave him dominion. Nor was it what Christ intended when he saved men. But he intended us to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, and to act like men being strong and doing everything in love. We cannot make the grave mistake of separating these two scriptures. To separate them is is on one hand to have brutal men or on the other hand to have weak feminine men. But together, through surrendering to Christ and embracing his call, obeying his word, fearless 
and strong, passionately serving Christ's bride. Our strength matures, right? Being filled with spirit, then kindness and love and compassion and gentleness and self-control season our strength and our courage and our warrior instinct. And with that, we become those read of in Hebrews 11, 33 and 34, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Clifford Putney wrote, Promised young men battles instead of feasts, swords instead of prizes, campaigns instead of comforts. The heroic which lies deep in every man will leap in response. I was talking to Pastor Mike this week about this uh, this message and we got to talking about the war movies, right? Uh, the stories of war that will rile the emotions of young men that will, will get their blood pumping to do something heroic. To, to, to have something to lay down their life for is the wiring of a man. It is. That's why the majority of our military is men, and should only be men, I, I might just add. It is not a woman's job to fight on behalf of men. Men fight for women, and I, and I don't mean that to, that's just the way it is. Men are defenders. But instead, we, we live in a society that has nothing to, we, 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 we go to churches that has nothing to offer our young men. So they, they hear these stories of, of war, these, these, these heroes of, of yesterday, right? And there's nothing for them to do, so they turn on the PlayStation and play Call of Duty because it's the closest thing they have. And we have weak men because we've raised weak men. I, I remember as a kid getting picked on at school. And I would come home and complain to my dad. Now, I'm not saying this is parenting. and Maybe I am. I don't know. I'll just let you decide. But dad said, I'm tired of hearing you come home and cry about it. Until you're willing to do something about it, I don't want to hear again. So I was like, clarify? Can you clarify? He said, go punch the kid in the mouth. <laughs> and I did. But it wasn't good enough because he swung back. <laughs> right? But, but, but see, here, here, here's the thing. And, and now I'm, I'm going to stretch for the chicken to be done. <laughs> we have to be careful not to reprimand our young boys for acting like young men. Right? Um... I, I love, when we did the pirate uh, Bible school, 
and there was a hundred four and five-year-old boys sword fighting in the narthex. <laughs> Biblical masculinity, right? And, 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 and there's a balance to it, okay? There, there has to be a respect. There has to be a reverence. We have to fight in love, right? We have, we have to fight for the things that we love. But here's the thing, and, and when, when I... When I took over as pastor of the, uh, the church, and I had prayed about it for years, I said, what, what, what's, my, what's the goal? Like, what am I aiming for as a pastor? And if, if you're close to me, I've probably shared this with you. Uh, every, every church kind of has a target that, that they want to reach. Uh, and obviously, our, our main goal is to just reach everybody. We want to reach everybody, but how do you reach everybody? And, and the Lord really laid on my heart that we need to reach our young men. If you can, if a church can reach the mid-30-year-old man, here's what happens. His wife comes to church with him, and his kids come to church with him. His mom will come to church with him, and his dad will come to church with him. His brother will come to church with him, and his sister will come to church with him. If you reach the young man. And I think you see fruit of that. I think you see fruit of that in this church. Um, if you reach the young women, her husband will come Christmas, Easter, and football Sunday. <laughs> right? If you reach the older women, her husband will come on holidays and her kids will come on Mother's Day. See what I'm saying? Why does it work that way? Because the church runs on the backs of its men. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Scripture promises us a life of discomfort, sacrifice, and death. It's woven all throughout the pages of Scripture. And when we minimize that call, we forfeit men. You're here today to be uncomfortable, to sacrifice, and to lay down your life. Welcome to biblical Christianity. So before I uh, came out here, I wanted to find some statistics. Maybe you've heard before, but I think they were shocking. It says, when a mother comes to Christ, her family joins her 17% of the time. When a dad comes to Christ, his family will follow him 93% of the time. Tell me again that men and women are equal in their roles. They're not. This Sunday, almost 25% of married church-going women will worship without their husbands. 70% of boys raised in church will leave and not return during their teens or 20s. Why? Because there's something more dangerous for them in the world than in the church. 93% of all people incarcerated are men, and 85% of them have no father figure. 75% of church volunteers are women. Think about it, if our sons 
And, and we've, listen, women, you are phenomenal. We have a powerful source of femininity in this church that I would put up against any other church. You, you guys serve well, you teach well, you love well. But even you would agree with me that what would be the difference if our boys grew up with men teaching every Sunday school class they've ever had? What would it look like if at every youth event there was an abundance of men clashing heads and shoulders with our teens? Which is going to happen this afternoon, by the way. And we're going to whoop them. We're going to make them cry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, my back hurts. <laughs> I'm not kidding about my back hurting. That's just really... Biblical masculinity. Not, not this worldly stuff. Not, listen, listen, the whole beer cussing, talking down to women, sexualizing women, that is garbage. And if you're in that stuff, get out. Shame on you. You're not a man. You're not a man at all. But here's the thing. You, women are just like, man, I love when the pastor just beats up on the men. This is great. Yeah, honey, do more, right? But here's the thing. We, we have good men in this church. See, you hear that? You hear them women amen in that? That's good. Here's the thing. If you have a man who's willing to lead or trying to lead, don't tune out now. Let your man lead. That's good. I'll take that. Stop trying to be the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. And just be the helpmate he called you to be. Just be the helpmate he created you to be. Because the truth is, the fact of the matter is, as men, we will stand before the judgment throne of God and give an account for our wife and our children and how we took care of our mothers and our sisters we don't need to sit before your judgment throne every day. Just be our helpmate, right? If he is God's man, then he's got what it takes. Because the Bible tells us so. So let's step it up. Let's bring back the heroism that is Christianity and let's march forward and take ground. Amen? Hold on, I need a, I need a more baritone amen than that. Amen? amen? Amen. God, we thank you for today. We thank you uh, for your fierceness. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, being a dangerous God. But God, also we thank you for being good. Because it was your goodness that called us to repentance. 
And God, I, that's, that's really the whole purpose of today is that men would be uh, called to repentance for a lack of leading, uh, for, for a lack of masculinity, for, for going against the way that you wired us and the way your Holy Spirit leads us. God, I pray uh, that through your word today we would see an even greater uprising of our men, God, that would challenge our women to step into their roles, that would raise up our children to be strong and brave and courageous, that, that they would long for the day that they could leave kids' church and youth so they could be a part of the men instead of being a part work in the hearts of men. Might our families today see us so vulnerable to the call of the Holy Spirit because truly the strength that you give us starts in weakness. As Paul said, when we see what we have to offer on our own it's nothing but when we invite you in and we give you control God that's when you raise us up to be mighty warriors for Christ Lord might you have the hearts of your men in these closing moments in Jesus name Amen you have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message, and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production. 